Hey everybody, welcome back to Roosters on Olentangy River Road in beautiful Columbus, Ohio. This is Letterman Live, brought to you by our good friends at Roosters. It's a fun, casual conversation at a fun, casual joint. Stoney's already diving into these wings. Chives is spilling uh, water all over the place. He's he's ready to get back after. He was just so excited to talk. Spencer Holbrook, Jake Stoneburner, I'm Austin Ward. Uh, a lot to cover. We've got uh, some more XFL. Tracy Sprinkle is going to join us later on to talk about DC Defenders. A two and zero start for him and Cardale Jones out there. Uh, that's been fun to watch. Uh, Jeremy Birmingham is going to hop on later to talk about some offseason recruiting, and these guys will talk all about the the roster a little bit. And I'm sure that Stony misses uh, Matt Drills right now and just huh. really wishes that he was over there in the Woody. Dying man. Um, <laughs> woke up this morning thinking I had Matt Drills and did my own at my house a little bit. Oh, did you? Nah. Oh, okay. <laughs> hit the Peloton though. That's uh, not quite the same as pulling a tire around. No, I uh, I did that, and I'm I'm. It's one of those things that will forever be engraved with me. But I do not need to see or witness that or do it myself again. It's one of my favorite things. Like some Zach always is talking about how much he loved it. Like uh, there's like, of course. him and John Simon, those guys on your team that loved it. Like some people want to just get through it, right? I, that, that's that's the whole point. Some guys they they live for that. That's cool. Um, I was not one of those guys. Uh, I mean, I'll get through it. I'll bust my ass trying to do it and as give it as all well as I can. Uh, but it's not something I look forward to. That's for damn sure. Excuse my language. But like, Stony, is it one of those things where like when you talk to Zach and you talk to those other guys, you're like, man, I miss that. But then when you're by yourself, you're just like, no, <laughs> no, never want to do that. Again. No, you can even I, you can Zach was saying right here. I I told it I all day long. I did not like doing that. <laughs> now I would do it and I'd show up, uh, but they'll be the first to admit it. And I. <laughs> I complained my way through it, but you know it. It, um, it was hard, man. Materials are to me getting up at five a.m. every day for like two weeks straight. That's at least when we, I was doing it yeah. in two thousand twelve. I don't know what they do anymore. They still get up early. I think that's the worst part. Like for me, I, I mean, I'm not in that uh, kind of shape to get through a Marathi workout no matter what right now. But just the five six a.m. stuff that you guys have to do, just motivating yourself to get out of bed would be the toughest part for me. Oh well, and. We knew we were about to get crushed because it was Urban's first year. So it was the <laughs> first mat drills. And I don't know how they are now, but I just – I'm assuming the, that first set of mat drills – I actually remember one time we were doing uh, barrel rolls at the end of it. You had to do a barrel roll and sprint to the edge, edge of the mat. And we're – I think Urban's like overlooking ours. And I barrel rolled and maybe I went 70%. <laughs> I tore my knee in the yeah, gator yeah. bowl. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And he was like, are you serious, Stoney? And he start, he's like, we're starting this whole thing back over again. Started from doing the lap oh, to start no. the whole oh, workout no. over again. I was like, oh, man. Um, you really messed up, Stoney. Uh, yeah, but he did bring everyone together. And he was like, Aaron Hernandez would have never not run through the line. And now I sit there like. Not not an example that held up very well. No. Now, <laughs> phenomenal athlete. But, yeah. but uh, John Simon probably loved it. Like, yeah, I get to do mat drills twice. Oh, <laughs> I felt bad because we. <laughs> My by me not finishing, we had to redo the whole thing, and you know we were already probably twenty five minutes in. Yeah, that never feels good. So that, that you know that's just the tip of the iceberg to all that. <laughs> all right. Well, I I skipped Mad Drills entirely last week. Was off. Uh, Spencer was here. Uh, I took a little bit of vacation with Berm. We were out of the country, and uh, this isn't the smoothest segue. There's no good way to do it. It was a, a rough week for Ohio State. Ryan Day faced the first major uh, off the field decision of his career. Um, we're not going to cover a lot of the details here of the criminal case. It's still ongoing. Um, but Ryan Day did not wait at all. Jocelyn went and Amir Reap were gone within about 25 hours. And when you read the, the details that were in the police report, I'm not sure that he had any other choice, in my opinion. But, mm -hmm. Stoney, when you, when you read this, when you saw this, uh, for a guy who's been in a locker room 
when things go wrong. These 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 are pretty isolated incidents. They don't happen that much at Ohio State. What would it be like to be in the locker room and hear about this and, and you know, kind of waiting to see what the disciplinary reaction would be? It's like kind of like, man, you guys. It takes the breath out of the team because, you know, especially with those allegations, it's not just – you know, we'll wait and see what happens. I mean, it was they brought down a criminal charge ASAP, yeah. and that kind of was a, like even me as a former player, like man, that's just that did, that doesn't sit well. You know, you want to have the court of law play out a little bit and maybe give them the benefit of the doubt, but the way they were charged and how it all came about, I think Coach Day definitely did the right thing um, with the swift hand. Just like man, they're gone. Yeah, it's <clears throat> there's no there's no good way or fun way to talk about it. The charges are absolutely awful to read, and I think that's. You know, probably what drove Spencer, you know, Ryan Day to, to work so quickly here because, you know, it feels kind of silly to be talking about the football impact, but that's what we do on this show. We're not uh, we're not lawyers. We're not going to be able to break down the charges and where it goes from here. They're off the team. If if Ryan Day was purely wanting to wait to see if it would help the secondary, both of these guys were going to be in the mix for playing time. Mm-hmm. They might not have been starters, but. He could have let it play out and kept them on suspension and hoped that they got cleared, but he did not do that. And that tells you he had no interest in just protecting the football side. Well, and we've seen what's come out of the courtroom so far, and it's the fact that one side is saying one thing, one side saying the other thing. Usually that means it's going to go to a trial. Yep. I wouldn't bank on that trial being finished by September 5th or uh, the beginning of fall camp. So even if they are cleared, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying anything, but if they, even if they were to be cleared, you're sitting there waiting during your fall camp. Okay, are we going to have two members of our secondary back from rape allegations? Yeah. So I mean, like, yeah. I just don't think it sits well with the program. No matter what happens, I think it's you have to take them out of the program. You just have to. There's no other, no other uh, way to way to sort it out. I, I think it was the perfect thing, to, the right thing to do for Ryan Day, and and now they get to move on and, and figure out what to do in the secondary. It's it's not a, a great situation that the secondary's in right now. Yeah, I, I think back, and I was just trying to like put it in context. Like it happens so infrequently. You guys dealt with it in 2012 with Storm Klein, and he was dismissed, but they allowed to come back after the charges dropped. Like sometimes too much is made of this. Of like coaches want to send a message. Right. Like Urban tried to do that with you, but what are we talking about here? Like those, those things could not be more different. No. And, and he want like, this is kind of the first time that Ryan Day has had to do this. Like Chase Young was, that's an NCAA suspension. He had nothing right. to do with it. This was kind of that thing where you now as an alum of the program, uh, not just a guy that's in there every single day or directly impacted by the disciplinary program. Like you're sending a message to your fans, your alums, like your future recruits. Absolutely. Like you have to, you have to be aware of everything that could mean. And that, it's not fun. No. Like that's a difficult position to be in. Well, and you don't. I mean, obviously, you want, if, especially if they're proven not yeah. guilty. Um, you're like, man, they should could have been on the team the whole time. But you, I got in trouble too. And Urban's big thing was you can't have a court case going on while we're in the season, even if it's for something minuscule. Yeah. It's still going to take away from the team. And now imagine a case like that going on, whether it's right before camp, during camp. You just can't have that as, be as part of the team. So sad. And unfortunate it is, you know, we got to see what happens here in the next few months, maybe even year. You can't have that associated with the program. While they're, while the program's trying to move on, they need to figure out. they got bigger to worry about it yeah. than, <laughs> than, than the, being at full camp, you know. Yeah. They're, they're young guys that their life could their be forever changed. Their life is changed. on the line, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it doesn't just send a message to the, the fans, the, the players, everything. It, it's, you know, this is how we run a program. It goes down to recruits, recruits' parents, 
um, people on campus. If you see Ohio State football players on campus, you know they're yep. they're good examples for the university. They're good ambassadors for the university. Mm-hmm. Um, it it goes so many different directions. You know, it could even go up to the top. Uh, Ohio State needs to dissociate itself with everything that has to do with that. You look at what some other programs have done in recent past, and it just hasn't been pretty. So for Ohio State to just completely separate itself and say, this is not what we're going to be associated with, innocent or guilty, these allegations are serious enough, we can't have any part of that. I think I think you're exactly right. It has to be as swift as possible because you just can't have it. All right, again, there's no, there's no uh, easy way, no smooth segue uh, away from a topic like that. But uh, at this point, I look at this as the way Letterman Rose coverage will move on. Those guys are not part of the program. That's probably going to be the, the last time that we talk about this situation. Hope everybody understands. We're, I'm not able to go cover a court case every day. They made their decision, <laughs> yep. uh, they, their actions, and they're going to proceed. Uh, Ohio State made their decision. Those guys have their court case, but they are not Ohio State Buckeyes anymore. So that's probably going to be the last mention of it here. Uh if you go into spring ball now, Stoney, you walked in. You said we well, haven't had a chance to maybe catch up with Coach Combs yet, but you you love this guy. Love him. What? How excited were you by this hire? And, and can he get that secondary back at that? Keep it at that bi label, oh, yeah. level now that Jeff Halfley's uh, restored it a little bit. He uh, he's that firecracker out there. If, he, <laughs> if that's the still Coach Combs, you know maybe that NFL softened him up a little. I bit. don't know. I don't think so. Uh, he said he had nine cups of coffee. I wouldn't, ba- oh, I wouldn't take man. that to the bank. Oh man, I I'm cough, when I was playing at Coffin, we scrimmaged Kent McKinley. Yeah. That's, wait, yeah, no, no, Coleraine, sorry. Yeah. And I had never been so scared of a coach in my life because <laughs> my coach did not scream like that, and he was, I mean, screaming. I was like, oh, man, I could never play for that guy. You know, five, six years later, he's coach, coaching on my team and love him to death because he's coaching the other guys on the other side and loves the offensive guys, yeah. and they play well. Um, but he, I mean, he, he gets guys going. He knows how to coach. He knows how to motivate. He's a leader. And he's pretty dang good at coaching DBs. Um, from high school, the guys they had come up through there, the guys I got to play with who he coached, he did well in the NFL. And um, I think that's kind of like the Buckeye way of going, guys going out and proving themselves and having coaches be like, I have such a pedigree. Why would you not come and <laughs> yeah. coach under me? What are what are one-on-ones like when he's out there backing his guys and you guys are trying to win back? Oh, man, I could just hear him yelling, come on, Stoney. <laughs> you no, know, just something like that. Um, or yelling at their guys to have, you know, do a little bit better guard me, you would think. Uh, but also, man, Coach Combs, you he's a yeller, but it's all in good. That's just how he communicates. Um, even in the weight room, and that's funny, he said nine cups of coffee. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> one, time, a- one time I had a conversation where I tried to – I was like – I was doing this story about the whole – the first year that they really talked about BIA. So Combs and Chiana were there together, and then I wrote about all those guys that were together with Conley, Denzel Ward, uh, you know, who else was there? Marshawn, mm-hmm. Malik Hooker, and I wrote about all of them. And so the thing, like with Combs, was the energy. I'm like, what do you like? Coffee, Red Bull? Like, where does the energy come from? He tried to be like, oh, you know, I, I don't need that stuff. Like, it, it's all natural. And he was like, I drink coffee, but it's just for the taste. Yeah. And I'm like, and the last week he's seen. Now he's fully embraced that. He's not even trying to hide it. It's like caffeine all day long, so he can constantly go. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll never because he was had, he did special teams when I was there, and uh, when we played Penn State, I. had a that long touchdown. Yeah. I had a pretty good game, and we we're sitting in the special teams meeting. And he's like, "Stony, you might have played amazing on offense, but you sucked on special teams." Because <laughs> <laughs> it was like my first time doing punt, and I almost got a punt block because I stepped the wrong way. And I, you know, he he kept it real. Uh, he wanted to coach you hard. He loved you, but he wanted to make. I mean, who tell how it is? And you know, I played a great game on offense, but the first thing he said in that special teams meeting in front of everyone was how bad I sucked on special teams that day. 
Which was that's how you want to get coached. That was a pretty big touchdown, though. Yeah, that was. I love that was my favorite. I think. Did somebody get like? I'm trying. You ran away from everyone. Uh-huh. Did somebody get like the Eddie George photo where you have like all of Penn State tracking you down? Yeah, from that home? was. You I, got one of those in the house or not yet? Okay. Um, I do have a little Dig room, but I, I know I need to. I, I'm not, I'll never forget earlier in that game, Braxton's like, "Man, I need Stony in the middle to run a slant." He's like, "I want that all game," and finally. I don't know why we called it because I never ran a slant from there, and I actually ran a pretty pretty crappy route to be honest. <laughs> Braxton just put it on me, and I was like, "Damn, man, you called that. You said you wanted it." That was uh, what we probably went three for eight on passing that game. <laughs> Got enough. Yeah. It, hey, it well, worked. He, you have like a well, eighty yard touchdown, and then he has the insane Xbox three sixty touchdown. Uh, I was give Reed always tells me how he missed a block. You say you ran the wrong route. Yep. Hey, those plays worked out just fine with number five back there. Oh, so. that that ha- that was half of the season that year. I'd be like, man, when's Braxton gonna just <laughs> do something really cool? Because we're struggling right now. But <laughs> those are the days. All right, Spencer. Let's uh, so look ahead now with that position for Kerry Combs, and uh, obviously, as we mentioned, that death took a little bit of a hit. Um, I personally, I talked about this on Tim May's podcast. I don't know that it's gonna be that they didn't lose any starters here. Good. <laughs> He's got Stoney's taking it all in today. It's uh, back at it with the Roosters, but it's, take, it's a holiday. That's right. You're allowed to do whatever you want. I'm there's off no, work today. There's no calories today. There isn't. Okay, I like it. That means I'm gonna I'm gonna order another uh, round to go. Um, I don't think that they lost a, a, any starters here, but it does maybe put some pressure on the young guys or Tyreek Johnson, some other guys to step into that lineup. What do you? What does this change for you, if anything? So I think it's more of an opportunity now for guys. I don't think it's really a – it is a loss, don't get me wrong. I mean, Reap was in the game against Clemson in the Fiesta Bowl, and I don't think played that terrible of a game. Mm-hmm. If you go back and watch watch the tape from it, I, I just think it's an opportunity for a guy like Tyreek Johnson who's completely gotten lost in the shuffle as a former five-star guy and a Marcus Williamson who has completely gotten lost in the shuffle of you know, how great Ohio State's corners have been, but these guys behind him don't really know what you have. And, and yeah. We've seen a little from Seven Banks. We've seen a little from Cam Brown. We expect those guys to be, you know, the next edition of the BIA. Mm-hmm. But now you have to you have to go ahead and, and try and get Tyreek Johnson and Marcus Williamson and these true freshmen ready because if one guy goes down, Jeff Okuda went down in what, three different games. Yeah. Damon Arnett was out of two different games. When that happens, because you have it, an injection, Sean Wade. I mean, it's it's going to happen at some point. You know, we talked about Ohio State didn't have an injection all year. Until the Fiesta Bowl. And so, Shouldn't have had one then either, but that's a different story. Neither here nor right. there. Corners and safeties come out of games from time to time. Yep. And so these young guys now, it's more, even more so on them to be ready. Because now instead of having, you know, Josh Proctor, let's be honest, Josh Proctor's probably going to get a targeting call at some point <laughs> next year. <laughs> like, there, there's no... It's Am- the first bold prediction for 2020. There's nice. no Amir Reap there anymore yeah. that has good experience who can come in and, and take that place and you feel confident with... These coaches have got to get confident in all of these guys now because they're all going to have to play a role. Yeah, I think and you talk about people that don't get discussed a lot. I mean, Ronnie Hickman is going to be healthy. Uh, to completely there forgot about him, yeah. yeah. Bryson Shaw, he, he did some stuff on special teams. Like People keep talking about this secondary as if it's a, a wasteland and uh, they would have been completely screwed if Sean Wade left. And if they did have to replace every starter, that's significant. Uh, Doesn't mean you're going to be completely screwed. They've They've recruited so well, yeah. and now you have Kerry Combs taking the torch back from Jeff Halfley. Like Tyreek Johnson is a guy he recruited. Like he, re- maybe that's going to be the difference maker. <laughs> let him, let Kerry Combs do his thing, and the five star light turns back on. Like he's not the only four or five star recruit on the roster. No, they're still there. Yeah, and 
every team's going to have inexperience at some point in position over any type of careers because guys are going to leave. That just happens. That's why Ohio State is Ohio State because they always can replace those guys with just as good, if not better, talent. Um, just because they haven't played doesn't mean you know those, these guys can't step up and be the next first rounder we've had over the past yeah. five, six years. Um, but that's to be said, especially in that position, having four guys who have a <laughs> that's I mean, I get it. That's a lot because yeah. uh, that usually doesn't happen. But I feel like we've had that problem t- two years ago or something yeah. like that where we lost all four. And then two years later, they, we're losing all four again. And, and it and, seems like guys just emerge, right? Yeah. Like, remember Malik Hooker's first ever game? He makes that rangy interception, and then he just takes off from there. And I guess that was a little more expected than – Maybe expected, maybe not. So it just, you never really know until you get in the season, especially with the secondary, because yeah. one on ones are one thing in practice. Then you get into a game, it's completely different. Coverage disguising is one thing. It's completely different when you get in a game. You could see guys like the Seven Banks or, you know, a Josh Proctor or Ronnie Hickman really emerge this year mm-hmm. when you might not have expected it, just because the secondary is, is it just kind of lends itself to that. Yeah. We've got uh, Tracy Sprinkle coming up here on Letterman Live, brought to you by Roosters. Have you guys been watching the last two, first two weeks of this league? Dabbling. What have you thought about the quality of play so far, Stoney? Very good. Um, I think it's all about the quarterbacks. They can get some solid play in there. Turns out our Buckeyes <laughs> play them looking pretty good. I think uh, they made a nice move there, putting three Buckeyes on one team. That's got yeah, some interest here in Ohio. Definitely. Um, and, you know, it, I think it's keep peaking everyone's interest because there isn't a whole lot of sports going on right now. And it looks like a pretty solid football product which I think is just going to draw more people there. I think getting a bit more bigger names into it. Um, but I, I, I really liked it compared to what the AAF, yeah. AAF last year. Um, the AAF had a great, good opening weekend, but after that, it was like, oh, a dud. I think these a lot of these teams, the way they they're, – they're even their social media is doing really well as far as marketing it. Uh, it's I think it's going to be around for a little bit. We'll see how much sticking power it has, but – um, I like it so far. That's a great point about the quarterbacks because it's not just Cardale Jones. Like they picked one out of the hat. You got you know Landry Jones down there in Dallas. You got a bunch of Matt McGloin. You've got guys oof, who've oof. been in, which it was pretty ugly for him. But they have guys who've been in the NFL. They were backups. Stoney, you and I were talking about this before the show started. Like, I mean, it's still going to be a long road for Cardale to become a starting quarterback in the NFL, and it may not happen. Same Landry Jones wasn't able to do that, and probably never would consistently. But that doesn't mean that you can't turn this into a really good league and a profitable place for quarterbacks to play. But if you don't have someone who can throw, like no receiver, if you would try to go do the XFL route, who's going to throw you the ball? Like that's the you, trouble. You can't run a route if you're not going to get anything thrown to you. The offensive line, the running backs, like everything is going to revolve around that. The whole game depends on it. Yeah, I think coaching. Um, get go. They have some pretty solid coaches. So go in there knowing you're you're actually going to get probably better at football. But it's all about the quarterbacks. And, you know, I look at the NFL and how many guys I got to play with who are third, fourth, fifth string guys who are pretty solid quarterbacks who would probably do decent in the XFL. That's probably a, going forward going to be a pretty nice option for those quarterbacks because I feel like that is a position that you either get two on the roster or they're gone. Yeah. And a lot of those guys are like, oh, I can go, still go play football and have a pretty big following. You look, I mean, Cardell, I mean, everyone on Saturdays knows that they're playing. So it's not not the worst thing in the world, that's for sure. Cardell's a decent case study for me because I think people, quarterbacks can look at Cardell's success in the XFL and see that he's on billboards for the XFL. And, like, this might be a weird example, but like the Connor Cook that was a backup in Oakland for a while. Like, mm-hmm. why would you want to be the backup in Oakland when you can go probably make a little less money, but you're playing, you're the face of a franchise. If you have success, you know. You're we got benched, of, right? 
You didn't actually. Yeah, yeah. But you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah. you're, any backup. Poor, just poor Connor Cook. Yeah, right. the first one that comes to mind. Just any backup in the league, yeah, though. I got you. Uh, before he became the starter, like Jacoby Brissett, guys like that. If you, if you're sitting behind a starter, like if you're sitting behind a Russell Wilson who just doesn't get hurt, and you know that you're probably not going to get an opportunity as a starter, just go to the go to the XFL. Cardell did it, and he should be a backup in the NFL, and he's probably right. better than most of the backups in the NFL. Why would you do that though? When you're sitting on the bench holding a clipboard, you can be the the guy in the XFL and get still get paid a pretty decent chunk of money. How, how much are they getting paid? Do you know, I, I think Cardale's situation is different. The yeah. the eight quarterbacks that they designated as like the franchise players, I believe. I, I didn't. He's he's talked about this, uh, and Tyvis Powell mentioned it before when we came in last fall for one of some. I think they he got something in the six figures to sign and then not go to the NFL during the fall. Because I think Josh Johnson was one that had an offer to go back to the league and had to say no because they locked in like eight guys at more money. That's that's going to keep the league going, I think, is the quarterback play and having guys you want to follow and teams you want to follow. Right. Um, and I think that's what's going to keep the pro- quality of product up well. And the only way you're going to get that is paying them. <laughs> yeah, so hopefully, you know, the, uh, the Vince revenue, McMahon and- yeah, and the revenue <laughs> can keep on going because I think, you know, if they have money, they can keep the guys and that's going to keep – viewers that's it, what i think wasn't it cool to see like the crowd in seattle it sounded a little bit like a, a smaller version of the 12th man yeah the, the dc crowd was into it the dallas crowd dallas and la like those crowds are have been decent and i think they're only going to get bigger but also you know the interest in this thing they're using twitter to their advantage those guys are going after it on twitter yeah, yeah. they're going after it and fans are getting involved and like the top five trending topics on a college basketball saturday are all about the xfl like that's something that's Definitely. not just nothing and it is Exactly, especially in this day and age, people people realize that. And I didn't watch a whole lot of XFL on Saturday, but I saw every highlight, all all because Twitter. It, I mean, <laughs> in social media, they were doing a really good job of keeping it in my face. Well, yeah, and I didn't hate it because it was football plays, it was football <laughs> games on a a Saturday where I, you know, I'm not watching college basketball. To yeah, be it almost seems like they're going to have to Never rename you. NFL Live to like football live because there's half of it's dedicated to the xfl they're right. showing all these highlights they're showing the matt McLoyne interview yesterday where why the reason he got benched and they're breaking <laughs> it down like it's becoming something that i know espn has a contract with them so they kind of have to push it but these these networks are doing a decent job at getting good personalities on the sidelines and things like that it's it's becoming a, a thing how would you have felt if you had a, a second quarter dropped a pass came to the sideline that you had to do an interview in the middle of the game <laughs> Oh man! Not saying that scenario would have ever no, played out. Um, <laughs> that's I think that's what makes it cool because I'm putting myself in those, and I would hate that. But you have to deal with that, and so that alone would make those make those situations pretty cool because it's that's true raw emotion. You know, you can't hide how you're feeling if you just make a mistake. I remember uh, who was, it was two weeks ago. The guy, um, their the punter for one team dropped it right yeah. on the one. The dude thought the guy hit it, fumbled. They went on the sideline. They're like, "So what were you thinking?" <laughs> I'm like, "Dang, yeah, that's mad. a cutthroat." The he guy who mad. missed a field goal comes off. You're like talking to the kicker in the second quarter of a game. It's pretty. They have a nice, I, like little quirks like that. That that they're not trying to be like the NFL. They want it more open. You know, here's what we're doing. Here's what the guys are saying. It's more clear as day, as, as if you will. Yeah. Whereas the AAF, AAF was trying to be just like the NFL. Yeah. It was trying to be like their minor league. Austin, well, this is just trying to be something different. It's so cool. It was so cool to listen to the replay officials. Oh, yeah. In in there. Like, that's something the NFL can take. The Fiesta Bowl should have done that. Oh, they call, Fiesta Bowl wouldn't have been able to do that because I, I don't even want to know what was going on in those <laughs> folks. But 
you know, the, the kickoff is the kickoff's gaining some real momentum. There's going to be some things taken from this XFL. Yeah. The NFL's going to Yeah, right, the kickoff now. now is a special guy who doesn't play. I hate that. I'm like, get rid of the kickoff. <laughs> that looks tough. Yeah. But, like, as <laughs> I already, I, like you said, I know NFL teams are like, hey, we can't get rid of the kickoff. Here's the way to make methods. it you can do. safer, but also, you know, it's more close quarters and a lot more like football yeah. instead of running 80 yards and trying to tackle a guy. That's, I think they will take something like that because kickoff right now in, in NFL and college is kind of uh, almost a waste of play most of the time. Kick it out of the back of the yeah. end zone. Yeah. Um, very few like actual guys trying to return it, I feel like. All right, we got a lot more coming on Letterman Live brought to you by Roosters. About to uh, let uh, Spencer Holbrook and Jake Stoneberg out of here. We're going to talk to Tracy Sprinkle up next and then Jeremy Birmingham after that. When we come back, after a quick word uh, from our friends here. Roosters is one of the unique companies that we deal with. They're involved in everything we do, from our personal foundation to also the Cancer Research Fund. And that's from the Buckeye Cruise from Cancer to all the events leading up to the Buckeye Cruise. They donate back to different organizations that are near and dear to their heart. And we're so fortunate to have been with Roosters now for a long, long time. All the folks at Roosters are just genuinely kind folks, and they want to make a difference. Thank you, Roosters Foundation. Thank you, Roosters Foundation. Thank you, Roosters Foundation. All right, hey everybody, welcome back to Roosters. This is Letterman Live, and we've got a very special guest this week. We're a couple weeks into this XFL season, and we've got a Letterman Row contributor, you know, the CEO of How She Gonna Eat, former Ohio State Buckeye, and now he's tearing up, tearing it up with the DC Defenders, Tracy Sprinkle. Tracy, man, it's so good to catch up with you. It's been fun watching you the last couple weeks. How are things going? Everything is going good, man. I appreciate you guys having me back in the office. <laughs> uh, we did a lot of did a lot of things together going on this off season, and now I'm back performing at a high level, and I appreciate you guys reaching out. Man, this uh, so now that you're back there and and you're focused solely on football again, and we know you've tried a bunch of different things. With you've been on practice squads, you did the the league last year that didn't quite work out. The XFL seems to be a hit so far, man. What is it that's so appealing uh, for a player like yourself to get? You know, the opportunity is obviously big, but what are you liking about the XFL setup so far? Uh, it's exciting, man. I mean, everybody's out here competing. You know, trying to get a spot back to where it belongs, or just to excel in this league. And everybody's playing hard, and it's good competition. I feel like the fans are involved a lot more in this league, yeah. and it makes it fun for us on the field, you know, to be involved with the fans. So I'm liking everything up to this point. You've, you've had, you know, as I mentioned, so many, you've been trying to find that right fit. And just watching you guys, it's been so fun. Everybody in, in Columbus, Cleveland, the TV ratings have been, uh, you know, off the charts. Everybody's trying to give that credit to Cardale, but that feel, those two markets seem like Tracy Sprinkle markets too, man. Like, everybody in, in Ohio is watching these defenders. Yeah, for sure. I mean, being Cardell, being two uh, Northeast Ohio guys, I seen Cleveland was the number two, and I think Columbus is up there as well. Yeah. Uh, just, just having that support, you know, it, it's great. It's always been that way. And uh, I, I wouldn't really expect anything different, but to, to have it is a blessing for sure. I, I love our fans. I love everybody who appreciate us playing football. I feel like when I was watching on Saturday, I've watched both of these first two games. I've had a little bit of uh, – uh, personal financial rooting interest in the defenders the last couple of weeks, so I've been appreciating that that start. But also, I want I, I keep saying I want to see you and Cardale and Duran Grant having you know covered your careers here. Like it's great to see you guys back on the field. Like what is it that's uh, that's really connecting here in that DC team? Like you guys look like the class of the league so far. What's what's driving that? Uh, to be honest, man, we've been putting in a lot of work. Uh, we started mini camp in December. And uh, to be honest, it was it was it was a grueling camp. You know, we we grinded our butts off. We we did a lot of extra work. 
you know, together to, to get our bodies on our team. And, and right now it's showing. Uh, you know, they say either sometimes you work too hard or you work just enough. I feel like we work just <laughs> enough, and it's showing right now. <laughs> it's. Uh, I feel like I saw you a little bit too at, at defensive end. You've been shifting around the line. So, like, I know you guys want to win this year. Like, you are fully invested in the XFL, and you guys want to win a championship. But is, there also has to be part of it in your mind, like, the NFL is going to be watching, and what are they seeing from Tracy Sprinkle through two weeks that might be, you know, the next thing after DC wins this XFL title this year? Uh, well, it's versatility. You know, I, I've been playing a lot of five technique. You know, playing some six, and uh, always been playing three technique my whole career. But showing right now is my versatility. You know, I, I'm six three two ninety two, yeah, but I can play inside or outside. And uh, you, you just got to let the NFL thing work itself out. So right now I'm just focused on, you know, maximizing my opportunity here in the XFL and uh, hopefully that can lead me back to an NFL roster. I think that that's like people that are watching this league and and waiting, you know, the offseason talk was you guys are just, you want to use it as a springboard. And obviously that's true. Like you want to get back to that next level. But how much conversation on a day-to-day basis when you guys are watching film, going through practice, being in the locker room, is it all about the XFL or is there still conversation about the next league, or how do you guys maintain sort of that that balance and focus? Uh, we, we we take our one day at a time approach. I mean, our, our coaches, our leaders, uh, we take a one day at a time approach. I mean, obviously, you talk about the NFL a little bit, but we're so focused on being our next opponent that it's hard to you know get that too much energy. But um, it being in the back of your mind, it, it keeps you going a little bit. You know, when times get rough, you understand where you're trying to be at, so you use that to keep pushing you. What do you? Uh so I've been interested in like the end game interviews are are getting a lot of driving a lot of the entertainment. Like it's such a unique perspective on the game as a player in the middle of it when those when those sideline interviewers are running around and trying to get stuff in the middle of the game. Like that's so unusual. That's not the way it works in any other level of football. How how do you guys as players? What have you guys made of that sort of tweak and having to constantly be ready to, to talk and have a camera in your face? Yeah, I mean, uh, before before our first game, our head coach, uh, Pep Henderson, made us aware that it was going to be a lot more cameras and microphones than we were ever used to. Yeah. And uh, he wasn't exaggerating. You know, every play <laughs> you make, you got to go back and you got to talk to somebody. Uh, you you know, you know, you have those conversations on the sideline in a football game. It's kind of hard to have. There's a lot of microphones around. But it, it, it's a good thing, you know, because your brand, you know, you put your brand out there. And I feel like all those interviews and cameras and microphones, it helps enhance your personal brand as well. So I think it's a good thing. Yeah, so like I, they've had to have the 10-second uh, drop ready for a couple F-bombs throughout those first couple weeks. Like I was worried how that would go because like, you know, coaches are so secretive. They don't want the signals getting out. You know, But it seems like the players that I've seen so far, like they kind of enjoy the fact that there's more personality in this league and you guys get to show it and like I'm – Maybe you'll have a, a how she going to eat shirt on underneath the jersey in a couple of weeks. I don't know, but like it seems like you guys get to, you guys are embracing that opportunity a little bit. Hey, yeah, man, that's that's a great marketing idea, man. I'm gonna have to take that from you. But that's, yeah, like I, like I said, it can go it can go either way, man. It can be positive or negative, and I feel like we're taking a positive approach. You know, you gotta you gotta use it to, to enhance your personal brand and for your team. Uh, God, God can make uh, excuses and get upset because the camera's around and you can't really be yourself. But yeah. I mean, you can. You just got to be a little conscious about what you say. <laughs> but I mean, it, it, it's your brand at the end of the day, and I feel like the XFL is is using that to 
not only promote the XFL, but to promote the players as well. So what have you made of, of your quarterback there? Like You know this guy pretty well. You've, you've been around him for a long time with Cardale. Well, you know, he is kind of taking the league by storm. Has been a little bit of the face of the league through two weeks. You know, he, he's been waiting a long time to be a starter. What's it been like to be around him uh, as you guys have got off to this great start? Man, Car- Cardale's a sucker, man. <laughs> like, nah. <laughs> nah, uh, it's, it's great, man. It's, it's great to see him, you know, perform at a high level in a professional uh, a stage. Um, a, a lot of people had their doubts. A lot of people had their questions, and I feel like he's been answering them. Um, I, I've always had faith in him. He's always been my guy since college, mm-hmm. um, and, and I'm just happy to see him perform so well. All right, we're, we're loving following you. The only problem, man, I keep trying to go on uh, that XFL shop and get some defenders gear. It's always sold out. We got to get you're gonna have to get on somebody back there and uh, give them some of your how she gonna eat connections and and get them hooked up with some <laughs> merch, man. We, Columbus needs it. They're, everybody's on board with the defenders back here. Need some merch. Yeah, for, for sure, but I might have to get it get some copyright rights from the XFL to <laughs> get it on how she gonna eat page. But yeah, man, it, it, I am surprised, man. The DC fans, man, they love us out here, man. They they, they love us with open arms. You know, I didn't I didn't really know how much of a, a football town it was, but they they love us here in DC, man. So I can see why I sold out. All right. Football's going well. How's she gonna eat still going well? Yes, sir. How's she gonna eat going well? We still Still uh, growing as a company. Actually, our one-year anniversary is here in, uh, in three days. So uh, it, it, it's a great feeling. We're about to be around for one year exactly, and uh, we just look to keep growing. Correct. Congrats, man. It's fun to watch you back on the field. When that offseason's over, we're going to be begging you to come back here and get back. We'll break down some Buckeye cues with you and talk again because uh, you're one of our favorites to be around, man, and we're loving uh, the XFL so far. So congrats on all that success on the field, off the field. Uh, keep it going. Yes, sir, man. I appreciate it. I'm excited to be back out there. I'll be in contact with you guys when I'm in town. All right, Tracy Sprinkle, D.C. Defenders. How's she going to eat? Former Ohio State standout. Appreciate his time. As always, we'll be right back here on Letterman Live, brought to you by Roosters after this. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Roosters on Olin Tangy River Road in Columbus. I am Austin Ward finishing out another Letterman Live uh, via the telephone, satellite, uh, remote communications, Jeremy Birmingham. Uh, as we piece together this one with most of our Buckeyes on the cruise for cancer this week. Uh, we were uh, looking for different ways to present the show, and having my good buddy uh, Berm on here after we just got back from the Caribbean seemed like a good idea. Uh, Berm, welcome in. Have you recovered from vacation? Hello, hello. I, I'm a big fan of telecommunications. <laughs> That's good to hear. Uh, so one thing you know we, we've talked about a lot, and you have talking stuff and several episodes of that coming with Spencer Holbrook this week, uh, from a big picture perspective, and you look at 2021, um, I took my stab at this a couple weeks ago. What do you think are the most important positions uh, for Ohio State in this class? I know that every position is important, but if you look at the biggest, most pressing needs, where would you start? Yeah, I mean, I, I think obviously because of all the dramatics that happened at running back in 2020, I think that position is one of them. I, I've sort of been changing my mind. I think if you, you'd have to go running back, defensive line and then defensive back I think would be the three areas that um, are going to be the most intriguing and need the most help so the Buckeyes are going to look at two you know two running backs again um, four or five different defensive linemen and then probably five or six defensive backs so there's a lot of work to be done in those three spots when you so there's so much talk now about this Kerry Combs impact on the recruiting trail we've we've broken him down a dozen different ways since he returned how has the reception been as he's got back to 
posting hashtags and planting flags and, and, and chasing down some of these best recruits. I know that right now he's not on the road, but from what you've heard from either uh, high school coaches or players, like what, what kind of feedback has he been getting as he returns to that uh, job that he really did so well uh, for six years previously with Ohio State? Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be a surprise to you that, that kids and, and coaches um, are are very happy to have him back on the recruiting trail. I've talked to kids up at Detroit Cast Tech, which is where Damon Webb is from, and one of the areas that he always made um, a, a big impact in before. And they're just glad to see him. I mean, it, it's, it is kind of tough on the recruiting trail because he started um, and only had a week and a half really to, to do the job where he could actually go out and talk to people. But if you know Kerry and if you've had a chance to, to talk to him, as, as you and I have, um, you you know he's very personable. He's made a big impact already in St. Louis with uh, Ja'Kalen Johnson, the, one of the country's top five defensive backs, uh, and a player who added Ohio State to his final six schools this week. Um, and I think that when you have a, a guy like that with the background that he has from the NFL, the success that he had at Ohio State – um, you have an opportunity to really find um, a real connection between him and these other kids so that, that he's going to get to meet. And I'm, I'm excited to see how that translates to spring evaluation periods and the camp season. You've talked uh, as well. You've got some stories coming this week. You, you broke down all the wide receiver big boards last week, but you're, you've got more info coming there at that position and what Brian Hartline's doing. You've had Troy Stilato at the top. So let me ask, if it doesn't work out, with Hartline's number one target, which he's he's tended to get his guy over the last couple of years. If he doesn't get Stilato, what happens there? Yeah, I mean, just to, to backtrack there, Stilato obviously has been the, a top target for Ohio State for months now. Clemson is very involved, and you just, you know, you never know. And it's silly to put all your eggs in one basket. Um, so the Buckeyes are starting to look elsewhere. They, they did offer another wide receiver from Florida um, early in February. His name's Mario Williams, and from talking to people in Florida, it seems like there's a, a belief that if, if Ohio State were to really push the envelope there, that they could become a, a real contender for Williams. And the Buckeyes are really just looking to see if this is a kid that is actually interested in the program or if he's one of these kids that just wants to collect offers. And, hmm. and some of that's going to be incumbent on the kid. If, if he wants to visit, if he wants to prove that he's interested in the Buckeyes, he'll make his way to Columbus as, as soon as he can. And if that happens, I think you could really see him be, step up and be the guy that uh, could potentially replace Stilato in that spot if Stilato ends up at Clemson or, or somewhere else. For somebody who is not you know, deep into the weeds on a day-to-day basis on recruiting like me, and there's all this conversation about the recruiting calendar and the shifting of the visits and all this stuff. Like, Is, is March and April now like the most important time of the year for Ohio State, or how does that compare? Like, to an in-campus game day visit in September, October, November? Well, I think that uh, the, the, the May, June, the camp season really is when things start to pick up. And the Buckeyes last summer used that as, as the time that they hosted almost all of their official visits. They had that big weekend in June where they had 16 different official visitors. And mm-hmm. because it's only Ryan Day's second year, we don't know if that's going to be the standard for him or if that was just an anomaly. So, it's going to be interesting to see how that unfolds and which way they go. But I, I don't get the sense, especially with so many noon games as, as they had last year, that they're really relying on the game day visit. I mean, that's sort of a, a supplemental visit for kids who've already made their decision at this point because that they just don't have 
the desire to really recruit kids and wait until December or January to find out what these kids want to do. So more and more kids are committing early. They're staying committed, and uh, especially the type of kids Ohio State's recruiting. And I think that you'll continue to see these evaluation periods that, that are starting here next month um, and into the into early part of summer is really when things are going to be separated. And that's when you're going to see kids really start to move up or down the board. I just feel like I keep reading and dotting the eyes every day that like this this recruit and that recruit they want to come they're scheduling something in March or April it's just you know like to to see a spring practice and it feels like that's a I don't know maybe I maybe I'm paying too much attention to a couple names and extrapolating it over the whole recruiting class but it just it seems kind of unique or or odd or I don't know the right word for it that like coming on a on a Tuesday in March seems like it's happening more frequently and then putting more stock in that than maybe in years past, but maybe I'm also making that up. No, I mean, I think you're right. It shows that they have a little bit more interest um, and that they're more committed to, to the process of getting to know the coaches and, and program as opposed to when they're doing it in June and it's a four hour visit on a bus tour. Yeah. Um, these are trips that are being made a lot of times coinciding with kids spring breaks. So they're going on all these college visits instead of going on spring break and, um, and certainly uh, it's an indicator of, of the, the ever-quickening recruiting calendar because it just keeps moving up. Everything's moving up. All right. Speaking of moving up and moving out, that's going to do it for Letterman Live here at Roosters this week. Uh, hope you enjoyed this uh, different look at it. Tried to piece together a good show for you all. Jake Stoneberger hanging out with us. Spencer Holbrook, Tracy Sprinkle joining us by phone. And as always, Jeremy Birmingham. Always love his insight on recruiting. Good to talk to him. We'll have a lot more of that coming on LettermanRow.com throughout the week as we try and get through this February and back to spring ball at the start of March. Uh, way more coverage uh, for these 2020 Buckeyes coming your way. Thanks so much for joining us this week. We'll see you right back here at Roosters next Monday. Uh, until then, bye-bye.